Welcome to our Meet the Buyer sessions. I'm Heather, the founder of Sourcing Playgrounds, and I'm here today with Suzanne Javda from The Shoe Consultant, and we're going to be talking about how to start a shoe brand and what are the things you need to know and how to go about doing it. So thanks so much for joining us today, Susanna. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's great to be talking to you. So basically, we're going to be talking about how to start a shoe brand and all the different things you need to know, especially if you're a first-time brand. So could you tell us a little bit about your experience and how you got into the industry? Yes, absolutely. It, to be honest, footwear is all I've ever really done. <laughs> From working in shoe shops as a teenager to realising that this is where I wanted my career to go. So I studied for a degree in footwear design. When I graduated, I joined a large retailer, a footwear multiple in the UK as designer and trainee buyer. So I got to see both sides. Which, That's really exciting as a yeah, yeah. It, yeah, exactly. It was really insightful. I got to travel a lot. I got to do the big trade shows and also to see some factories, which was really useful. I did some of the technical side of the drawings and more of the statistical analysis and the things that a buyer really needs to, to know, as well as I suppose getting an instinct for what's commercial and what what is just really really appealing and exciting in terms yeah. of footwear. Yeah. And then and then I started working for a global footwear brand managing their women's range, their women's global range, which was really interesting wow. because the That's pace, skill, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, the tastes for footwear around the world are quite different yeah yeah massively mm -hmm. so so that was my background um so i've been working in the footwear industry for over 20 years three and a half of which have been running my own consultancy called the shoe consultant mm -hmm. and tell us a little bit about what you guys do the shoe consultant and how you help buyers and brands and what the type of things you offer for them so we have two sides of the business. One side is helping people to start shoe brands. I work with startups at any stage. The preference is always to start working with them as soon as they're even thinking about starting a shoe brand. Them properly. <laughs> yeah, because there are so many mistakes that you can make yeah. in terms of being a startup. You can spend money in so many different ways. And when they work with me from the outset, then, then I can just drive them across the, the clear path where they know that they're making the right decisions all the time. And it helps their confidence, but it also just helps their business to grow more quickly or develop more quickly. So love working with startups and that support side of things um, really makes me happy when when they're happy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And in a startup, obviously, you know, the experience and advice you give them is so valuable and it's such a, sm uh, such a small scale, so you can really see the value that you're bringing to them. Exactly, yes. And, and working one-to-one -one is, is really beneficial, I think, for, for both sides. Mm -hmm. And with startups, they move so quickly, so you really do see the results of the, the input that you've contributed yeah. really quite quickly, so that's great. And then I also work with established shoe brands 
mm-hmm. and and shoe businesses so that includes retailers as well mm-hmm. and when they come to me they're looking for often a different point of view i have this you know 20 years of experience that i can contribute yeah. i have quite a, a holistic view i try to be aware of any footwear developments developments in terms of technology in terms of how politics is affecting footwear new brands uh, that that could be their potential competitors so i can give them a, a different viewpoint i can give them research that and and research techniques that they wouldn't necessarily have thought of because mm-hmm. i do find that more established brands Maybe they have safe. particular sorry they play it safe yeah yeah or they have particular ways of doing things that they've been doing um for quite a number of years whereas my thinking is you know as a consultant i have to be innovative i have to keep up to date with what's changing and the brands and the retailers who are thriving at the moment are the ones who really are keeping their ear to the ground and Yeah, yeah and concentrating on what consumers want yeah definitely and we've seen that with like the rise of online and you know the decline in retail so it's the ones that are you know um, being the most innovative are winning basically exactly yeah you're right fantastic so so let's start from the beginning so let's say you're a first-time buyer or if you are someone that's looking to start a new brand and they right at the very beginning what would you say is the process and how would they go about it? What is the things that they need to be focused on? So the first thing always is looking at the consumer. Mm-hmm. And okay, so you, we could say that the consumer doesn't necessarily know what they want until they see it. So yes. you can't, <laughs> you have to be quite clever, I think in terms of the consumer research that you do. And that that's something I can help with in terms of asking the questions that are going to get you the useful information yes so always starting with a consumer but also knowing the context in which you're going to be operating so if you want to start a a high-heeled shoe brand or you know you're a retailer who wants to get into footwear so perhaps there's a new buyer who is going to be focusing on the footwear Mm then you would want to see who else is making footwear in at that market level, mm-hmm. high heels. What are they offering to their consumers? I always recommend looking at consumer reviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they, they yeah, they, online, even things online, for example, you know, yeah, they can be really insightful, I think. Yeah. And you, you can see a company's products online. But you yeah. don't really know if they're if they're suiting the customer, if they're selling any of them. Yeah. Unless you look at reviews. Or another trick I always say is to look at um what's in the sale. Yes. Because that's, that's so true. What hasn't yeah. sold. Yeah. Well, this is it. And okay, so maybe it's particular sizes, which also can be quite useful to know. Or maybe it's you know, why are there so many sizes of this product? It just didn't work. And you try and figure out how. But so understanding the yeah, the context. So the consumer, the competitor, 
in in the country or in the areas that you are looking to operate in mm-hmm. and so with startups often they come to me and they have designs in their head and that's sort of their starting point mm-hmm. whereas I tend to be the voice of reason and say hold on can we backtrack because <laughs> is there an opportunity for this you know yeah. who's going to buy it yeah who else is making similar products mm-hmm. how much are they selling them for where what's their distribution model are they online only are they wholesaling have they got their own stores you know you have to understand who you're up against so basically it's understanding first your consumer and what they want and then you basically <clears throat> excuse me you tailor make the product around then your consumer as opposed to i have a great idea let's try and fit this into a customer and try and make it match for them so start first with the customer absolutely because the thing is if you jump ahead yeah. and you end up making a four inch heel and you've spent a load of money on heel molds because it's this really interesting heel design that you've created and then yeah and then you realize that actually your customer only wears a maximum of three inches yeah then you've wasted a load of money so you have to do it i think the methodical way and so yes so together we would look at pricing strategy um we would also look at product strategy so mm-hmm. what are the consistent things that you're going to have um, in your products or what can a customer always expect from your products and yeah. that can be branding and logos but it can also be would they always expect them to be leather yeah, is, yeah are there particular colors that your brand is going to be all about and then that kind of feeds into the branding elements as well Mm-hmm. So then from there, then would you, ex- would you fit the brand around the customer or would you already have a brand in mind and how would the brand then fit with the shoe? How would you explain that process? So often I think the, the branding side of it links quite closely to the purpose of the brand. Like what is driving this brand? Mm-hmm. What's the reason why it exists? Yeah. And uh, and linking that to the consumer, what they already like. So not necessarily the shoe brands that they are into already, but think about your ideal consumer and, you know, what Instagram accounts do they follow? All of those sorts of things. You know, what's their aesthetic and how does that link with your brand and your goals and, and your personal kind of thoughts? and. Yeah. When you're researching this, do you have a specific method, like literally how you pop this down? Is this you sort of gather lots of um, online resources, put it all in a Word doc and a PDF? Like how how do you go through that process? So I don't have at the moment, I have specific templates for for particular areas in terms of um, competitor analysis. And I will always send them out to my clients. But some and and I do produce reports for particular clients and I have templates that I use, but everything I do really is bespoke when when I'm helping startups, sometimes the startups are so creative that (laughs) they've done it all for you. (laughs) Well, this is it. It's sort of I I tell them what they need to put in, what they need to research. And sometimes they come up with these 
um, amazing design <laughs> document, you know, like in, in design. Oh, wow. and, okay. and I'm like, okay, this is cool. You know, this, this is <laughs> you've got this amazing aesthetic eye yeah. and also that, you know, the business side of things. So yeah. it comes across really nicely. So it's a bit of a mix. If they need templates and things from me, then I'll provide them. And often it's kind of building it in Excel and putting it into PowerPoint and then uh, saving it as PDF. And, yeah. and PDF seems to be kind of a universal business plan yeah. kind of format at the moment. And then once you've done the uh, research, then you would go on to, I would guess, the branding and then the design. So how would you uh, walk us through the design process? So you would obviously get a designer to do this. Where would you recommend someone going to find a, des uh, a shoe design or someone to help with the technical drawings of creating the shoe? Yeah, so I've got a network of shoe designers who I recommend. They all have different um, areas of expertise mm -hmm. uh, they, they've all got years and years of experience and are also just really nice people to work with and so yeah so if they if they're working with me then I will I will easily give them a list of uh, a few designers who I think would be really good for them yeah also there are courses you know if, if somebody wants to learn how to do it themselves there are some really good courses, uh, particularly at LCF, London College of Fashion. Okay. They do some really great short courses if you want to kind of learn those sorts of things That's yourself. Yeah, exactly. You know, some people are really sort of invested in their brand and they want to get really involved into the learning and the design process. So yeah, that's great mm -hmm. if they um, have that, uh, yeah, course for that. And actually, I'd recommend that even if they are working with a designer as well, because it just helps with your thought processes when yeah. you're designing something yeah. that, that you have to be designing something that can be made. It's quite easy to draw a shoe <laughs> that is an impossible shoe. It's a little squiggle, that will do, and it does not even be, it's constructed. Yeah. <laughs> and that's boring shoe people that kind of saying, okay, but where are the seams? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's all useful. The more knowledge, the better. I would yeah, say. and I guess as well is the terminology is really good because I will go later on into the process of when we start working with suppliers. But the more you know at the beginning, and that's what we always say to our buyers and our users is, you need to have product research. How can you go and brief suppliers if you don't know yourself how things are made? Because then when things go wrong, then you you're able to best advise on things. And if you have a better understanding of your product, and you know it's it wins all round basically. Absolutely, yes, completely yeah. agree. Yeah, it can be a hard learning process otherwise. Yeah, and, then and when and when you start learning about a product, they're quite technical terms, like regardless of what any product you're dealing with, and a shoe is especially because it's quite um, a construction and there's lots of different yeah. elements on shoes. Um, but yeah, as much as possible, research product. Yes. Okay, yeah. so after you've done that, so you've got your design, you've researched your branding, and you've got your uh, idea of the shoe and your customer, mm -hmm customer profiling you go into the design then what is the next stage after you've got your after you've got your shoe design where would you go next so I think at, at this point or potentially slightly earlier you would want to be starting to think about um, investors if that's something that you need uh, okay some people will have personal savings or they will already know people who want to invest in them yeah. but many people will need some outside investments so 
yeah, this is a good time to be talking to investors and, and trying to get them on board. And then, and then it's the sourcing element. So finding a manufacturer who you want to work with and who fits with your brand values and also with your, your product type, because there are many, many shoe manufacturers in different countries and they all have different specialties. Mm -hmm. And also uh, within that, there are companies who are willing to work with um, smaller companies or companies who are just developing a new range and don't want to risk uh, yeah, a massive quantity. So would you say as a, as a small to medium sized brand, what would you say is the minimum amount of investment? I know it varies on different products, how many styles you have, how many quantities or, but you're, experienced how mm. many how much would you say is a good starting point and also yeah it's also about how much uniqueness you want in terms of your uh, your shapes so your last shapes or yeah. your heel shapes those things as well they add a, a lot of money so as a bare minimum i mean we used to say 10,000 I mean that'll get you somewhere but thinking about because you've got to have a website yeah of course and that doesn't cover everything around the business that's literally just stock isn't it well it to be honest I always recommend starting small in terms of stock mm -hmm. so that I think that 10 to 15,000 should cover your sort of first season's stock mm -hmm. your website um your consultancy fees yeah you want to work with me and the other sort of incidental fees some some travel as well it comes up along the way just to have a, a sort of a buffer just in case anything you know goes wrong <laughs> yeah yeah and a bit of training but you do have to spend it in the right way i think you know i've spoken to brands who one in particular she got uh it, it was she actually got given a prize I think of of ten thousand pounds wow and a couple of years down the line she's like I, I don't really know where it went wow yeah so you know, actually that amount of money could could get you really really far with your brand mm -hmm. if you're getting the right advice if you're doing the if and it's not even thinking about the logical things it's having some someone with some insight who can advise you on the right ways so it can get you really far or it can get you almost nowhere yes so back to the manufacturers and uh, the sourcing mm. process you know obviously that's where sourcing playground would come in we would help yeah. uh, manufacturers in your experience what are the countries or the places that you've worked with and the types of manufacturers you've worked with so when I work with startups in the UK, mm. we, they tend to be premium or luxury. That, that tends to be their kind of business model. Yeah. And so we look at Italy if it's luxury or Spain or Portugal if it's premium. Yes. It's quite useful, I think, for brands based in the UK to be able to um, source relatively locally so that they can travel out 
Yeah, it um, makes it so much easier when you can just, you know, when it's even just a few hours on the plane. You know, a lot of people work with Far East manufacturers and that's quite difficult. And even yeah. the, time zone, the time zones working with them, emailing, that, you know, it adds time into the process. So, yeah. Exactly. And often their quantities can be higher in the Far East as well. Mm-hmm. So that means it's, it's more of... Uh, if you're looking to make larger quantities, then the Far East would make sense. Mm-hmm. But if you want to start out and you want to be really hands-on, which a lot of people do, yeah. then starting closer to home is better. And then when I work with people in the US, we will look at Europe because I know Europe well and I know the areas of expertise and I have contacts here. Um, but also Mexico and Brazil make some sense as well over mm-hmm. there. And would you say they all have their specialities? What would you say, you know, obviously you say uh, Italy is from the lux- luxury end and the mm. Portuguese and uh, Spanish. So what would you say is their differentiation between the three? Okay, between those three. Yeah, it's interesting, actually. So Italy has the name. So lots of people think made in Italy uh, automatically means it's... Yeah, quality. Yeah. Yes. And I would say that the very best quality shoes do tend to come from Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, they're also capable of making um, not quite as premium. Yeah, of course, it's, well, yeah. All, all ends of the spectrum can be found, I guess, but it's just finding the right one. This, this is it. And you know, some, some luxury brands are starting to make the, the uppers elsewhere and then the final products are finished in Italy. So things have changed a bit in that respect mm-hmm. and with Spain the areas around Alicante so Elda and Elche are kind of mm-hmm. renowned for women's footwear in particular mm-hmm. and actually they do make for some luxury labels as well they make some really beautiful sort of handcrafted footwear um, and I wouldn't say it's less finessed than Italy but it's more like you can see the work that has gone into it I think so that's Spain and Portugal had been um, like the slightly more affordable end of premium Um, but actually they do make some really lovely shoes and it's quite a mix of different footwear types that they make over there they make some really good men's footwear as well as women's and sneakers and yeah it's it's quite a blend and when you were working with your factories did um would you would you recommend having one manufacturer for the whole brand or from a risk point of view would you spread that across different factories and how would you go about managing the factory element with the products the, it depends on the sorts of products that you're making. If you're making quite diverse product types, mm-hmm. for example, if you're making trainers and you're making high heels mm-hmm. and that's all part of your your business model, then you're going to need two different factories because yeah. it's, it's pretty rare to find an expert in trainers yeah. Yeah, who's also an expert in high mm-hmm. heels. So I would say... differentiate your factories by product type yes Mm -hmm. to start out the best way to get a consistent aesthetic is to work with one factory but of course there is that risk it is a risk anything happens but if you if you're literally just starting out and it is quite small quantity you don't really have the choice (laughs) no this is it and you've got two um two investments on the different molds styles the heel type and it's just duplicating costs i guess at the beginning 
Exactly. So, so I would say if you are thinking of uh, adding a factory to the mix, then do it with a different product. So a mm -hmm. different kit, a different last, different soul, mm -hmm. yeah. so that you're not actually duplicating at all. Yeah, of course. So there, obviously you can, depending on what you're looking for, you can have like completely custom made, which is your own, or how much can you already use a supplier's um, styles and products and then tweak it yourself if you have the experience of doing both yeah so it really depends on what you're looking for and mm -hmm. I suppose how extreme your designs are how much innovation you know where the inno innovation is yeah yes it's much more cost effective to use existing lasts and heels and just for anyone that doesn't know can you explain a last and all the different yeah. um, parts of the shoe just so we can we all know what we're talking about okay sorry yes so the last is uh, basically it's normally a plastic shape which yeah. is sort of roughly the shape of a foot that the shoe is formed around so if you had a pointed toe shoe then the last would be pointed and and the shoe is formed around that if you had a round toe shoe it would it all comes from the last that's the sort of basic shape and it basically helps to give yeah give shape to the shoe and make it all consistent i guess exactly yes do you want to know lots of different shoe parts just the last i think would probably be fine yeah just okay on board with that um, and then yeah so working with your suppliers on the different products if you either if you want it for example like private label or custom mm. manufacturing um, what would you say for someone starting out let's say they wanted to have slightly different different unique elements but didn't want to create a complete custom shoe from the beginning how mm. would they adapt one of a supplier's shoe to fit their design yeah, it's interesting. I think with lasts, uh, attempts to adapt them uh, vary in their success. Mm -hmm. Generally, if you want a last that is quite different, you need to put down new lasts. So you need to invest in new lasts. And that can be quite expensive. Roughly how much are we talking? Ooh, uh, depending on where you're sourcing them from and how many sizes you're looking one size one product um yeah just as a first base and also it depends on um on the amount of pairs that you want to make because mm -hmm. if a factory can work with just one pair of each size mm -hmm. because you're just making really really small quantities then you only need to make one size roll of lasts yeah. if you're starting to make quite large quantities then you need multiples of each size um, but a new size run can run into the thousands mm -hmm. yeah and yeah and also it depends who's kind of developing the lasts for you and if you've got somebody in addition to the last manufacturer who is who is making those specifications then you need to pay them as well so it's yeah, yeah. It can get quite expensive and then it comes to the materials and sourcing that so mm -hmm. how how far into the process would um, a buyer get or does the supplier uh, source all of the materials for you or would you recommend you yourself the buyer doing their own research and sourcing the, the fabrics and materials and how, how does this process go from the construction of the shoe plus sourcing the materials 
So some, some factories are more geared up to that side of things than others. I would recommend that most people look into it themselves mm -hmm. and the more information that you provide to a factory, the more likely you are to get what you want. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. So even if you know, you've sent them a swatch of a leather and they've got something similar from a supplier that they prefer to work with, they'll send you a swatch of what they have and you can say whether it's right or not. It's good to know what you want. So there's a, a leather fair, which, which I would recommend everyone goes to anyway, if they're looking to, if they're a buyer for footwear or if they're looking to start a shoe brand. Um, and it's called Linear Pele. And they have a small version in London every season, every six months. Mm -hmm. And they have a, a massive version in Milan. And Fantastic. also they do a mini one in sure, in Milan, looking at lots of different leathers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's quite exciting because they also they do a really good trend presentation. Yeah. Which, yeah, which, which I always find quite insightful and looks yeah. at bigger picture. Yeah, of course. And it helps to give you an idea of what other people are doing and what's going to be on trend of the next couple of seasons. Mm -hmm. It's really inspiring. I've been to a few trade shows when you go and you see all the different products out there and it really helps the you know, creative juices go as you get back to the drawing board and put that to some new products. Exactly, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, are there any other trade shows that you would recommend uh, people going to here in the UK or if there's any um, else a bit further afield? So the main ones in the UK are Pure London, and there are several footwear brands there. Uh, there are more footwear brands at uh, Moda UK, which is in Birmingham, mm -hmm. and they're both uh, every six months. And, and they're definitely worth going to see. When thinking about a little bit further afield, Mecam in Milan is an enormous footwear fair. Have you ever been? No, I've not been to that one. It's the kind of trade show where you need roller skates. Oh, wow, they're huge. Like, and they're just thousands and thousands of suppliers. And it's just, yes. yeah, you need a map. No. You, you, yes. yes, exactly. You need a map. You need a goal. You yeah. need a focus. You yeah. need to know which halls you want to go to and, and which can go by the wayside if you run out of time. And I think it's really important as well for people to go because... Um, when I've had experience of going to trade shows, you set up meetings beforehand, mm. like research beforehand and see what suppliers or products or brands are going to be there and see if you can set up meetings because they've always got little areas that you can have little meetings and presentations with. And then I find you're a lot more structured in when you go to trade shows rather than just, you know, aimlessly walking around and you can leave feeling a bit like, oh, I, did I get enough out of that? Mm. Whereas when you go set up meetings and, you know, you have a clear goal in what you're doing then you feel like you've really got out of the whole point of going there really yes absolutely yeah I would highly recommend that and and some of those meetings uh, can be successful and some you know maybe just you decide fun. yeah you decide that the relationship isn't going to work or they they think maybe it's not going to work but you've learned something you've from learned. that interaction and obviously you've rather than going and starting the process with them you've learned now rather than waiting a year six months of wasting time with someone or a company that's probably not the best fit for you exactly yeah and there's nothing like face-to-face -face interaction to sort Absolutely. of 
start a relationship especially I would say um I don't know I, I think in mainland Europe but particularly in Italy but also Spain and Portugal it is about relationships and oh, absolutely. Definitely. and yes it's business but it's also about coffee yeah definitely yeah <laughs> about shoes you need to have to have coffee with it on the side yeah you have to have this sort of meeting in the middle you have to sort of uh, come to an understanding of yeah. where each where each other is coming from to have that kind of mutual respect that you need to start a working relationship and I think as well it's really nice when you know when you when you come and meet another business owner so I you know if you're a brand you're really passionate about what you're doing you're starting a new brand it's a very creative process and then you come and meet I don't know a factory owner or a business owner or another brand and it's it's really nice when you come together and you're both talking about something you're really passionate about and you know you can share that experience with someone else it's not just okay this is about business we make products for you and then that's that it's that okay we're both we both really like what we're doing and it's really nice to have that experience with both of you so I think relationships are so key to when you're starting a brand absolutely and that they understand where you're coming from in terms of the purpose of your business mm -hmm. because I think there are there are people who start brands and they just want to make pretty things and they haven't really <laughs> thought about the context but and the purpose of why they're doing it yeah but with but with uh, factory owners then they do want to know, is this going to be a success? They yeah, need to know that you're that that you have a really good understanding of who's going to buy it and how much for. And that's what gets them excited because they think, oh, okay, this could be a really good business. Yeah, definitely. We explain this. We um always, always advise our buyers as much as possible, go and speak to factory owners and go and do and almost almost pitch it to them. I think I think that's the best way yeah. of saying it is that yeah. you know they're investing in you yourself as well as as much as you're investing in them as a supplier you know it's when you first start that relationship is does it is it going to do well and i think suppliers that believe in you and believe in your product and believe in your brand are more likely to invest into the relationship and offer better things at the beginning so are they able to lower the quantities to help you in your long-term mm -hmm. goals yeah but if you just go there and expect okay i want this 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 and this and i want lower quantities and this is what i want to do and you haven't really got to understand each other from a business point of view then they're less likely i think as my experience is to, to help you on that process you need to pitch the idea to them and for them to believe in what you're doing yes you you're absolutely right i think um some startups or buyers would go to a factory and just expect them to jump basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah but they only want they want good business they don't want any business they want yeah. good business and so yeah it is up to you as you said to to persuade them to pitch to them mm -hmm. and i think to look at a supplier i think it should be as a business partnership suppliers are so important to the whole process when you're dealing with a product you know if you have a supplier that's not right for you or isn't great or it can be bad quality or is late you know there's so many different things that can go wrong and you really need to know before you start working with them like are they are they the right ones it's like i say it's like dating you need to make sure they take all the boxes and you're happy with them because it can for a product for a business that is all product based and that is so heavily dependent on customer satisfaction product quality delivery times and your supplier is like 80 percent of that 
and is a result of 80% of that. So I think if you get the right one, then you're halfway there. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And you know, the, these people, you will be working with them and yes. you will be communicating with them frequently. So it's very important that you, you do see eye to eye, like, like any relationship that, it works when you have that mutual understanding. And I would say with, yeah, with, with clients who are trying to choose between a couple of factories or maybe a couple of agents and they're like, well, you know, their pricing is about the same. Their products look nice. I don't know how to choose. And I'm like, well, who do you like? Yeah, who do you like? Which one's the best? Yeah. Yeah. Because the person who is a, a little bit keener to work with you, um then you'll get better communication from them and you won't feel like you're constantly chasing yeah it makes such a difference yeah definitely and i think you know from any point of view and especially from when you're starting a brand you're a startup things as you say move fast you need someone that's reactive you need someone that's responsive that doesn't wait 48 72 hours before sending a reply to an email you want someone that's replies to you straight away is very good at communication and you know is that wants to be wants your brand to be a success as much as you do exactly yeah so in terms of building that supplier relationship would you recommend you know how often should you visit a factory if it's if it's uh, feasible for you to go and visit or and then other things like having meetings telephone phone calls you know video conferencing how how would you help that relationship go in terms of how frequently you would visit them you know when there are issues where you're really struggling to communicate whether it's regarding something visual about the product and you've sent a whole load of drawings and it literally is just not happening it's not understanding yeah then that that can be an important time um i think at the start of any season where you you're handing over your technical drawings and the factory is starting work on the samples that can be a really useful time mm-hmm. and and also well in in the world of social media now you need content and as a brand whether you're small or more established great content um, can come from factory photographs videos of your actual products being made absolutely so you're like a usp you know shout about them they're fantastic to talk about yes yes and it's so nice to see the people i think people behind the products that are being made so going over with you know if you're a talented photographer yourself, like great, or going over with, sorry, <laughs> my computer came up with something annoying. Um, <laughs> going over with a video videographer um, can be great and you can get some amazing content, you know, depending on the scale of your business and what you want to get out of it. So uh, potentially at the time where they're manufacturing your bulk production could be a mm-hmm. good time as well. And it it doesn't have to be that often, but it's important to be able to react fairly quickly and be able to get on a plane and just sort out any issues that arise if you need to. Some things, yeah, some things you can have a telephone conversation and it's all ironed out and it's great. Mm. Um, But sometimes you do need to be face to face. And yeah, and, and some people I find respond better to 
to phone calls. They're, they're telephone people. Yes. And some people are email people. Yeah, yeah definitely. Mm. And sometimes with, with language barriers, uh, people can be better um, verbally mm-hmm. uh, rather than in written or the other way around. So it's, it's sort of figuring out who it is that you're dealing with and what their strengths are and how you're going to get the information you need the best. Yeah. Yeah, and, and would you say, so walking through the process of, okay, start to finish, how long would you usually, what is the usual time frame for when you're starting working with a supplier and you've got the designs to when you actually get the stock? What sort of time frames are you giving brands? Or what would you say is an average, average time? Okay, so some of it depends on when you start working with them, at what point in the season um, you are. Because if you were working to traditional seasons of spring, summer and autumn, winter, uh, sometimes you might need to rush things if you've started developing things a bit late. Um, I mean, how, how long do you need? Six months? could be quite good if you were giving someone a time frame to work into the normal spring summer autumn winter when would you say in your advice would be the best time for someone to start this process and when would they launch giving themselves enough time because things always go wrong in development you need a button so what time of year would you say is best to start okay so if you were launching in january for a spring summer season and you were a brand new startup and you've got quite a lot of development to do you don't necessarily know quite what you want until you've seen you know a a round of samples and can make decisions i would say start development before the factories close in august so in europe most factories will close for most of the month of august So if you want to launch in spring, then you could start development in June. And that I would say is for a first season. I think subsequently, if you know what you want and it's all quite clear and you're communicating well with the factory, you could probably start in September. So on a good time, you would say it's a six month process, but if you're someone that's really from the beginning and needs a lot more time and, you know, going through the whole process, it would be probably around a year. Yeah, I mean, I think also it depends on if the if the person, if the brand is just solely focusing on making shoes or if they've got a day job as well. Of course, that is something else because things can be slowed down uh, on both sides really yeah so yeah i suppose six to nine months is probably is is about right and keep in mind of the spring summer autumn winter and that august factory close is something to always bear in mind you know different different places around the world always have their you know cut off point you know in the far east and in china they have chinese new year you know of course stops everything for that whole month so it's Mm -hmm. mindful of of where you're manufacturing in that country is make sure you understand their national holidays when you're not going to have any contact from your supplier really do your research and finding out their national holidays in those areas because it can put a massive uh, disrupt to the whole production process if you're not and i think also as a startup um 
you should try and work with the factory or or if you're a buyer and you want to make smaller quantities trying to work with the factory actually to let them manufacture your products in quieter periods mm -hmm. is is a good idea if you're able to if you're able to maybe take your stock a bit earlier or so could you have you had experience doing that how, how would you go about discussing that with the factory i didn't know they did that well it's interesting honestly it, you know trying to kind of get them to fit it into their peak periods yeah, where course. they're making everything for everyone else is pretty difficult but even big brands will try and balance the production and they'll think about taking products earlier or or think about fitting different sort of interseasonal products in between because it benefits the factory to have full capacity all year round. Yeah, of course, or the slower periods of the year when they're not doing as much. So, so how you go about it is really just talking to them about it and, and saying, would it help you if I took the stock a little bit earlier? And then actually that helps you because you've got a buffer. So you know that <laughs> you won't be late. Yeah. And if it's your first season, you know, you've got your website waiting for the stock. You know, you've you've got all these campaigns that you've you've shot some samples. Um, you know, maybe you've done a Kickstarter. I don't know, but you've got all of things these things waiting for your stock. Yeah. You don't necessarily want to just expect the factory to deliver bang on time with no issues whatsoever. In some ways, it helps to get them a bit earlier. So definitely, and it also helps for your own sanity as well to know that it's all planned in advance you're going to have it well advanced because when things are tight deadlines and you have as you say content waiting and uh, marketing waiting for this then it can get quite stressful towards the launch and it's something you want to spread the risk out of it and what you don't want to do is have a bite taken out of your first season as in you're missing a month of sales yeah, because you didn't get your stock in time and then your first season doesn't look good and so on the back of that it's negatively on the next and, yeah. exactly yeah and your investors get a bit worried and yeah, yeah it, it just doesn't look good so yeah planning and timing is key with footwear absolutely key <laughs> yes um and then where would you suggest buyers go is there any online resources or is there any place that you would recommend people to go to find out this type of information if they were, you know, starting out? How can they, a lot of people want to do their own research or find things out on their own? Where would mm. you go? So in, in terms of online, um, particularly within the UK, the British Footwear Association, the BFA, mm -hmm. is a really good resource. Um, mm -hmm. Not only their website, but also getting in touch with them. They can provide a lot of help. Mm -hmm. You can look at my blog on shoeconsultant.com. Well, we'll provide a link in the, in the video so it's easy to access. Perfect, thank you. And I write articles about all of the things that we've discussed, really. And also on, on LinkedIn. So if you link in with me, you'll see lots of articles that I share about lots of things that are, are current so news features about footwear that are current and really relevant to buyers and also to startups as well in terms of other online resources yeah i don't know there are there are 
lots of places in terms of general kind of startup advice not mm. so much in terms of footwear specifically but if you've got any questions just uh, just get in touch with me basically and <laughs> um, what would be on a final note what would you say is the one bit of advice you would give anyone starting out starting a shoe brand what would you say would be the best help that you could give them always start with the end customer in mind mm -hmm. understand them um as as deeply as you possibly can you know what what drives your ideal consumer what is their disposable income and what problem are you solving for them yeah and when you say about um obviously when you understand the customer and then you profile them what are the key things what are the things that you should know about your customers as you say about like disposable income but what other things would you start to profile your, uh, the target customer well, I have some quite long lists, really, but I suppose the key elements yeah. are, yeah, I suppose uh, their their age, the other brands that they buy, not just footwear, but also clothing and accessories, so that you you understand, yeah, their aesthetic and what drives them. Think about the sort of income that they would have. That's important. Where do they live? So, do they live? in a city is it somewhere rural uh, are you targeting one particular country are they male or female i suppose yeah what what do they like doing i suppose because i guess where where do they hang out mm -hmm. online so you know, what where do they go what things do they look at yeah and also out and about and and that all affects your products and your that sort of strategy but also your marketing strategy how do you how do you then reach these people yeah. so that ideal customer profile is going to feed into everything everything you do with your brand you know your customers inside out basically yes <laughs> and also yeah I, I would say to anyone who is in that position who is a footwear buyer who's looking for some advice or a footwear brand who's just not quite sure where to go next how to increase their growth or if there's a product type that they could be exploring that they're not at the moment or if someone's looking to start a shoe brand just yeah just get in touch with me and i'd love to help absolutely well thank you so much you've given so many great tips and advice it's really helpful for all people to start from the beginning you know if shoes can be quite a, a difficult product to get involved with at the beginning yeah. Um, so yes, you've given some fantastic insight. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. It's been lovely, Heather. <laughs> well, thanks to everyone for watching the Meet You Dubai sessions.